Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that doors are now open for our signature accelerator program. We are doing a major deal for this promo period where you get Critical Care Academy's CCRN review course absolutely for free as a bonus if you join us before May 4th. Our signature program is special because it's a one-time investment for lifetime access. There are no recurring fees. We want you to start this process early. So if you're in nursing school or if you are just starting the school search process, this is absolutely perfect for you. We walk you through picking schools, writing your resume, making sure you have all those boosters to make you stand out. We've got over 20 hours of video lessons along with an entire downloads vault of swipe files and templates. And of course, over 50% of the program is interview prep. We have five on-demand mock interviews. And then of course, a huge part of this is every month we have office hours where you can bring your questions and get answers. We have essay office hours with our expert developmental editor, Dr. Diane Katie. We have group mock interview practice labs, ad hoc guest speakers like SRNAs and other faculty. It really is a comprehensive program. And once you are in, you are in for life. You can head to the crnaclub.com to check it out. And again, the CCRN review course as a bonus, that ends on May 4th. So if you are on the fence, shoot me a DM at the CRNA club. I am hanging out there. But otherwise, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the CRNA Club podcast. We have a wonderful special guest today. Her name is Ashley. She is a critical care nurse who is currently in the process of applying to CRNA school. And she recently attended the AANA Annual Congress in Seattle. It's where you're at. Um, she is going to share her experience going to that conference, how it went, some memorable moments. Um, and she's also an accelerator student. So she's going to share a little bit about that as well. But Ashley, welcome to the podcast. We are so happy to have you. Why don't you go ahead and kick us off and just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your nursing journey and background. I'm Ashley. So I am currently in Seattle. A little bit about me is I was an ER nurse for about eight years. In the last two and a half, I used, um, I was a traveler. So essentially the last two years I've been moving around California and I finally settled into Seattle. And right now I am in my critical care orientation. I just transferred to the ICU. So I'm actually pretty new to the ICU, but have been a nurse going on almost nine years. So I'm in the in stretch of that and currently kind of getting my ducks in the row for my application process next year since I'm still at the end of my critical care orientation. But I'm originally from Texas. I live here in Seattle and I'm just kind of working on my application process right now currently. Mm-hmm. That's great. I think that you are doing things the right way. You are getting into that planning process and really getting serious um, pretty like early and in a good way. You know, once you start to get into the ICU, there's a lot to do as far as the planning and like applying stage goes, because you're, you know, you're going to get your CCRN, you're going to start doing some extracurriculars on your unit. There's like a lot of resume builders that have to happen. So the fact that you kind of are like starting in the ICU now and kind of already have an understanding of what goes into this process it puts you ahead of a lot of people. Um, so good, good job on that front. And it was really convenient for you to go to the the meeting in Seattle. And it was so nice to meet up. We had quite a quite a good group that showed up. I was super lucky that I lived here in Seattle. And ironically, I bought the tickets for this, um, I guess, Congress that we had this year back when I lived in California, actually. 
So I wasn't really 100% sure we were going to be in Seattle, but I knew this is something I wanted to do to kind of get a better idea of what it was like to, you know, be a CRNA. And I've met a lot of SRNAs, but I haven't had a ton of exposure to CRNAs other than the few that I met at work. So I knew coming to this was going to be a good place for me to have a workshop and meet people and also just kind of get a better picture of what I was doing. I wanted to get started really early, essentially. I feel like you know, when I decided to go to Congress and when I joined CRNA Club, I was like, oh, I'm getting started too early. And now that I've kind of followed you along for a while, I'm like, OK, actually, you need to start pretty, pretty early throughout the process. Like it's a year and a half, two years. I would say it's been two years since I have been actively getting my ducks in a row, retaking classes, um, you know, switching out of the ER because during COVID I did travel for, you know, just kind of set myself up for school because I knew I was going to go back to school. But essentially, it, it feels like it's been a marathon, but I still have a long way to go. And it's truly invaluable being part of CRNA Club, truly invaluable. I think for me, going to Congress six months ago, I think I actually signed up eight months ago. I was going to go alone. I didn't know anybody. And I joined your Accelerator Club and met so many people through it. And then going to Congress, I felt like I had a community. I wasn't alone. I felt at peace with going. I didn't really have the jitters I did eight months ago thinking about going as a nurse into this profession and going to this Congress. Being a registered nurse, I think it's a little intimidating initially. So for me, I was like, okay, there's a lot of us. It was actually about, I think, eight to 10 of us. So mm -hmm. it wasn't too scary anymore for me. Yeah. And it was, I was, I was really proud of everybody. I mean, even for me, I'm a CRNA and I go to these types of meetings, but it is very intimidating. Uh, getting out of your scrubs and getting into super professional clothes. And I remember on one of our calls, like probably four months ago, we're like, we're going to be right there being like, you go talk to that person. And that's essentially what happened. And you are naturally an extrovert and not everybody is. But yeah. I think that was the nice dynamic of this group was that people were able to pull each other out of their comfort zones. And we would see, like, we would see Ashley go, and, like, we would see you go and talk to somebody. And then somebody else would be like, oh, well, dang, she's going and doing it. Like, I got to go talk to my part. Like, this is it. Now or never, I got to go introduce myself. So you're kind of like in a good way feeling that peer pressure. And it, it really is about community. Um, that is like one thing that I'm really passionate about, but also just the profession as a whole. I think in the nursing culture and everybody's experience is different in the ICU. It's, you know, we still have that like nurses eat their young thing. We still have a lot of uh, just a negative environment for nurses. Uh, it's not as much like that in the CRNA world. For the most part, of course, every profession has their divides. But for the most part, CRNAs are like, oh, you're a CRNA? Okay, I got your back. Like a, a, a lot more willing to help each other out. So I think you can probably attest to that. Like when you went there, the SRNAs were like, what? You're an RN? Like, you want to go to CRNA school? Like, let's talk about it. Like, they were excited for you, right? Oh, for sure. I think, you know, going in, I was obviously intimidated. But I just told myself, like, we're all at the end of it nurses. And I met so many SRNAs that were like, wow, you are ahead of the game. Like, if I would have known this is my first Congress I've ever gone to. Um, and then a lot of even CRNAs were really, really impressed that we were going. And I think just having the commodity, everybody was, like, very positive. I, like you said, nurses eat their young. I've definitely experienced that in my nursing career. I didn't experience that at all at the ANA conference. I feel like everyone was extremely welcome. Everyone was extremely happy for us to be there. Very accommodating, willing to give you contacts, to get into contact with somebody with their school that they went to, if it was alumni, giving you their personal number. 
I really left. I think the first day was a lot of jitters for me. And then the second day, I was like, okay, actually, the CRNA world's kind of small, actually. I mean, I've met people at other events before. And so we were all initially interconnected. And if I didn't know somebody and I brought somebody from the accelerated group into the pro, like into our little bubble, we were talking to people. It just felt more comfortable. I felt like I wasn't as nervous and everyone was just, honestly, they were extremely kind. Mm -hmm. It was was really refreshing. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to hear that. And I think that that's what it kind of came down to was what you just said there of like, if they didn't know somebody like directly at that program, they knew somebody who knew somebody. They're like, oh yeah, I know my classmate went there. Let me like, they've graduated from that program or whatever. You know, it's like, it is really a small world. It's a really, really small world. So I'm glad that you came. Everybody, I think everybody shared a similar sentiment to you and had such a good time. So if you're listening to this next year in San Diego, we will see you there. Um, And I will also say that you can go to your state meetings as well and still have a very similar, if not better, experience. It's not just these big annual national meetings. It's it's the state meetings too. That'll be a little more intimate um, as well. So for, we touched on it a little bit, but during this sort of planning stage that you are in right now, you said this kind of started two years ago for you. Kind, kind of walk us through why it's, why it really does take that long. What are some major milestones that you had to um, hit, like moving out of the ER um, and how long you're kind of anticipating that whole process taking you? So I initially decided to want to go to CRNA school about two and a half, three years ago. And so for me, I was getting out of a career that I was fairly established and I was, you know, an experienced ER nurse. I had, you know, great assignments when I came to work. I was very comfortable in my job. And I had a CRNA come in to the ER during COVID and intubate somebody. And honestly, it opened up a new world for me. I mean, it was something that really ignited this like passion for me. I was like, I can see myself doing that. So from that point forward, I still was like, okay, I need to shadow somebody before I change my entire life. Mm-hmm. So initially I went down to the OR. I basically begged somebody to let me shadow them. I got really lucky. I had somebody who was a new grad essentially to this hospital um, who had just graduated through a CR- CRNA program who took me under his wing. He was like, you can follow me as much as you want because this is going to be a really long journey and it's going to be pretty hard. So I shadowed him, I think, for two to three shifts. And from that point forward, I started researching schools. And I, I really wish I would have known about this, you know, CRNA club previous. I mean, you were in the process of, you know, building this community, but it was kind of hard to determine which school I wanted to go to, which one where I was I able to even apply to because I graduated from nursing school almost nine to 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think we've talked about this before, but essentially every single school has different types of criteria you have to meet. And I learned that I had to retake a lot of classes. I mean, a lot of my core sciences I had to retake. I took some science courses when I was 18 years old. I wasn't very mature, um, to be honest. And I think, you know, I didn't have the best grades. I mean, I I still graduated with a decent GPA, but I definitely, you know, didn't make straight A's in every single science course, essentially. So from that point forward, I had to retake chemistry. I had to retake statistics um, while working full time, while being a traveler. And then also just, you know, you know, honing in on my resume and essentially just going through every single, I mean, you have the grid sheet that you've made for us, essentially Mm -hmm. the database that I've used. And I look through every single one of them. I'm like, okay, now I need to take my CCRN. Okay. Now I need to take my GRE. It is 
like you said, a very long process. I think every class is taking me anywhere from three to four months to complete because I am working full time. I am working night shift, doing lab, working, you know, four days a week in a row, waking up with no sleep to do a Zoom meeting for lab on two hours of sleep and taking tests every single week while studying on vacation. So it's been a lot of sacrifice um, in the as like the aspects of applying but i think overall it's very much worth it but it, it is a long process i mean i'm transferring now to the critical care orientation i'm at right now at a level one trauma center here locally and that's a four-month orientation and that's with being an experienced nurse so on top of working full-time i'm in class 12 hours a week on top of that and then i have an exit exam i have to pass and then i still have you know up until another eight more months till i can apply essentially mm -hmm. so it's been a little bit of a marathon, but I know that I've never really met somebody who was unhappy with their decision to become a CRN. Mm -hmm. So I just tell myself that I'm like, long-term wise, this will all be worth it. I still have, I think, one more class to take that we discussed, like an advanced um, patho class mm -hmm. to take, essentially, um, just to kind of boost my resume. Um, and a lot of places I've done some open houses, they, they don't replace the grade you had before. Sometimes they take your previous grade and the average. And so just bearing in mind that, you know, even if you redo take all your classes, sometimes not all the schools will take it. So mm -hmm. right. it's just been a long process. And even, you know, even though some schools won't, they'll just mesh it all together. They're still mm -hmm. going to look at it and be like, okay, you're not the same Ashley that you were when you were 18. You took this graduate level class. You took these classes. You did well. We know you're working full time. You can handle it. And you're working and you're doing these extracurriculars. So keep doing what you're doing. Um, you're you're on the right track, 100%. What's there a reason why did you decide to switch out of the ER to go to the ICU just so you had more school options, just to give yourself a better chance? Because most programs are going to accept ICU. Or was there ever a thought where you're like, oh, let me just try really hard to get into some of these programs that just accept e that accept ER? Did you ever have that thought? I think for me, I just wanted to really build on my experience, essentially. So I mean, I had a good you know, almost nine years in the ER, and I worked in a very high acuity, high level ER. So I've taken care of critical patients, intubated patients. But every single CRNA I met was like, it's really crucial that you get your one year. And so I really didn't entertain even applying to the schools that were just accepting ER because I didn't want to start behind or have a disadvantage because I already knew school was going to be extremely difficult. And so I didn't want to have to be playing catch up. So I told myself internally, I mean, I haven't met a lot of SRNAs this weekend that were like, you need to apply now. Like, you know, and they were, I mean, and it was coming from a very loving place, but I was just like, I see now why the ICU is extremely important. Mm -hmm. I, you know, as an ER nurse, am more than capable to take care of a critical patient, but the management, I am definitely learning what it's like to take care of someone on, you know, vasoactive drips, on paralytics, on sedatives for 12 hours at a time. I would say that the exposure that I had to that in the ER was maybe, you know, once a week. And this is an every single day thing. Like every single day, I've gotten more comfortable with it. Um, I think my time in the ER has been invaluable in that I do have a lot of experience with like RSIing patients and and stabilizing really critical patients. And so I think that's going to be really helpful. But I do attest to the fact that the ICU is detrimental to, you know, at least feeling comfortable with taking care of critical patients for longer than eight hours or four hours that you would in the ER. Essentially. Mm -hmm. You really get time to assess the actions of your intervention. That's one thing as CRNAs yeah. that we are constantly doing. We are 
doing an action and then seeing what happened and if we liked that response or if we're going to try something else. And I was never an ER nurse, but I will say that you hit it, hit the nail on the head. You have 12 hours with this one patient. So by the end of your shift, you're giving handoff to the, to the, for you, the day shift nurse. And you're like, okay, uh, this patient responds really well to this vasopressor, doesn't really do anything with this one. The fentanyl uh, didn't really help. We had to switch to Dilaudid or the Presidex made him too Brady or whatever it is because you've spent so much time with this person, um, this patient. So you really get that full picture and depth of understanding. And you have more time, I think, to start to think about the why behind things, the why behind the pathophysiology. Why are we proning this patient? What is it about um, ventilation, perfusion. What is it? Why is why is this improving their oxygenation? Whereas in the ER, maybe you kind of did something, but then you're like focused on getting them to to the ICU. We got to transfer them. You're you're keeping them, um, but you you kind of maybe miss that back end of like, okay, well, twelve hours later or the next shift, this is the improvement that they made. This is what happened. This is what happened with their lab values. Oh, we gave them a lot of fluids yesterday, and then the next shift, you're like, okay, now we're diuresing them. So you do get a really in-depth understanding in the ICU. And I, I think there are many successful ER nurses who went on to go to pursue CRNA school, but I also think there's something really valuable about um, critical care experience as well. And it really comes down to A, your ER experience, B, your um, personal preference too. Like you knew that you wanted to get the the critical care, the ICU experience. And so that's only going to make you a stronger SRNA um, anesthesia resident when the time comes. So and you're at a really good hospital too. So you getting oh, yeah. exposed to some really high acuity, you know, teaching hospital. Those are those are the good level one trauma center teaching hospital, big name institutions. If you're a new grad thinking about jobs, those are kind of where that's kind of where I would start. Um, so your nursing orientation in the ICU is about four months. Is that from what you've been hearing sort of typical for the the new to ICU orientation? I think I've had a mixed review overall. I've had some people tell me, you know, they had an eight-week orientation if they, you know, came from the ER, and then some was three. I think 12 weeks is kind of the general consensus. For us, it's four months because we are in the hospital two to three days a week, and then we are in lecture one day a week. Um, so I think committing to that, a lot of people did not understand why I was doing this. They're like, Ashley, like, you're, you know, you've been a nurse for a while. You could work at a smaller hospital and probably just go straight into the ICU and get your experience and be on your own pretty quickly. But I was very tactical about where I was going to get my education. And it's been that way even with, you know, when I was an ER nurse, I wanted to have a very formal education in what I was doing that was proper, that I was getting, you know, a good grasp of what I was doing before I was independently on my own. And I can say the four months seemed like a long time initially. And now that I'm at the end of it, I'm like, OK, I actually did need that four months. Um, you know, I'm I'm just now getting comfortable with taking care of more high acuity patients. And and I think my pro uh, progression into the ICU hasn't been too bad. I've had a lot of nurses that came from acute care or, you know, med surge. And I think that it, you know, from experience from what they were telling me, they're like, it's actually, you know, a pretty big leap from what I did before. And so I'm very thankful for my ear experience. But like you said, I am now learning the effects of what I'm doing long-term wise, you know, and I think, you know, being in the ICU, I fully now am seeing the things I learned in the book, you know, when I took my CEND or things like that, where I'm saying, okay, I'm changing these vent settings. This is how it's actually ch affecting my patient or changing the mode on the vent, how this is affecting my patient or the medications I'm doing. Seeing it in real time 
it's a lot easier to speak to and like pull from my brain essentially now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's all going to serve you so well um, in school. I still look back. Remember the first time I had to do like a massive transfusion in the OR, it was those like I know you do that in the ER too, but there are moments Mm -hmm. when those ICU skills come back and you're like, okay, I remember this from that one patient like four years ago. Okay, it's coming back. And and you remember that. So that that's awesome. Um, So I'm going to go back to the AANA meeting. One of the biggest things that I talk about a lot is the power of connection. And I don't think people really quite understand it until they experience it themselves. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad I did this. I'm so glad I went to this meeting. I'm so glad I went to that state event. Can you talk a little bit about some of the connections that you made there? You don't have to get too specific with schools if you don't want to, but just kind of give us a sneak peek into what that experience was like talking to people and how the networking kind of went for you. Because I saw you talking like you were like busy the whole time adding just people. So who who were you talking to and what was going on? I That's so true. I think I left, you know, and I was like, man, I lost my voice. My jaw was extremely tired. Um, and I'm an extrovert. So I tell people all the time, like, if you're an introvert, you're going to have to push yourself a little bit. Um, so I think initially it started on Friday, the first meeting that I went to. And it was the board of directors meeting where they were talking about policies. And I went thinking, oh, I'm going to finally meet the accelerator group. And of course, I had some issues getting there. So I showed up, I think, a couple minutes late. And I sat by this random woman. I didn't know. I was just being really friendly. I'm from Texas. I'm extremely chatty. And she was being really nice, asking me, you know, oh, everyone looks at your badge. I I don't know if you all know this, but you do wear a badge and it'll say if you're a student, if you're a CRNA. So when you're a registered nurse, it doesn't have a title on it. And everyone looks at you like, who are you? What are you doing here? (laughs) In a nice way. But I can tell that they're staring at my badge trying to figure out who I am. Um, And so I just started talking to her. I was just like, yeah, I'm a registered nurse here. I'm trying to get a better grasp on what, you know, being a CRNA is and the full scope of it. And slowly I started realizing she started asking me a lot of questions. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of gauging that she may be somebody important. And I quickly discovered that she was the clinical facility, like facility clinical um, director of a school in the East Coast. And she was asking me why I wanted to be a CRNA. And I mean, I'm very passionate about telling people my why. And then I think at the end of it, she gave me her email. She told me, I don't know if this is on your radar, but I really think you should apply to the school that I work for. I think you'd be a great candidate. I think you're very passionate. It's amazing that you're here. Here's my email. If you want to come shadow me in the in the OR, you're more than welcome to. I mean, you never know who you're sitting next to. And I think just being overtly friendly is helpful. Mm-hmm. And I think even afterwards, we had another meeting and I didn't know anyone yet that was going to the second meeting. And she's like, come sit with me. And I was like, okay. So we sat and we talked about, you know, her school that she's she's currently working for. And then she kind of was just in my ear the whole meeting explaining things to me. We were at the um, NBCRNA essentially Update. meeting and we're kind of under, yeah, we were understanding what all that entails. And it's kind of a little bit over my head because I'm not in school. And now I left fully knowing, you know, the credentialing process once you are a CRNA, what the test you need to take. and I think just building that connection with her and I even gave her a list of things to do in Seattle with like a little on my notepad and she was extremely really thankful and so I did a follow-up email so that was just my first day and I really didn't think I was going to talk to anybody the first day because it was just a bunch of board meetings I saw you I like hadn't even gone to say hi to Sachi yet but I saw her in the corner of my eye and I really wanted to like say hi to her but I was like I'm here to network 
So I just kind of waved really quickly and I was like, I'll see you the next day. And and then to, you know, throughout the next couple of days, I met um, two Texas schools. I'm originally from Texas. And then I met two Cal- schools from California. I met two of the directors. I met Amin, who I had met at another um, event that I went to in Oakland, who, you know, getting to meet him more on a personal level was really nice because he was a speaker last time. And so I got to see a different version of him. And he gave me his personal contact. He gave me um, some recommendations for books to read to help me prepare for the interview for that school that is detrimental to, you know, improving your emotional intelligence and things like that. And so I thought that was really helpful. And then I was there during the interaction with Kendall, which she got to meet the Texas mm-hmm. School of Her Dreams and getting to meet the professors that, you know, she was really interested in. And I kind of was just trying to be her hype woman. And I'm from Texas, too. So we um, had similar backgrounds. And that professor gave us essentially like very detailed insight to the interview process and how they gauge people, which I thought, wow, where can you ever get this information? The whole weekend was full of just meeting people. And I had, you know, I had a top school in my mind. I think we all do. And I met a whole group of students who were fangirling over you, by the way. (laughs) And and Professor Timmerman, they were like fangirling. And um, but they were telling me essentially about their program. You know, they do this program in California does accept, accept ER experience as part of their critical care experience. So it was, it was something that's obviously on the top of my list because, you know, my experience has more weight there than, you know, maybe some other schools I may be applying to because I am fairly new to the ICU. And they gave me a lot of insight on their program, the good, the bad, the amazing things that they're doing that I didn't even know about because I couldn't find it online essentially. And so they gave me their contact as well to keep up with them and, you know, to discuss the application process and the interview process if I have any questions. So I left with, I think, like 10 cards from people. I would say I was uh, not very proactive that I should have made my own card, to be honest, but I was just like so frazzled at the end of it. Um, But I did definitely get a lot of cards and I followed up with a few people like Professor Timmerman said, you know, connecting with people and following up is really important. So I intend to be intentional with the connections I made and continue to talk to those people and actively, you know, they gave me their personal number. I'm going to probably text them occasionally just be like, hey, how are you doing? Or, you know, just being supportive in their process as well as when they're SRAs. But a lot of networking, essentially, and giving insight on interviews, schools. Oh, yeah. And I met two chief CRNAs from my school, my hospital that I work at and the sister hospital. And they offered to let me shadow them as well. And they gave me their personal wow, contact. So. That is incredible. For any future meetings you go to or anybody listening to this, you can get them printed at your like local print store or even like on Canva. You just can make a little simple business card in the front picture. I like to put a picture on your business card. You don't want to ever put a picture on your resume because for discrimination purposes, they might just throw out your application. If you have a picture, they might not even be able to legally look at it. Um, But on your business card is fine. And then what people can do is on the back, you can put a QR code with a link to your resume if you want. Um, Nobody like now you can see like it probably be kind of off. Did anybody ask you for your resume? I'll ask you that. Did anybody say, do you have a copy of your resume? No, not not once. And honestly, I truthfully didn't want to come there with my resume to be truthful because I, mm-hmm. I wanted it to be authentic and just getting to meet people. They're super busy. They're super busy. I think having conversations, you know, we had our list of people we really wanted mm-hmm. to interact with and meet. And sometimes they were there was lines waiting to meet with them. Would you say that 
you spoke with everybody for the most part that you wanted to to speak with? I would say about 70% of it. And I think a lot of the schools that I am interested in necessarily maybe weren't, they weren't really presenting or, you know, I didn't know exactly who they were. But essentially, you know, we had our list of people we wanted to meet as far as speakers. But even though I didn't meet all of them, I actually met a lot of people that I was interested in speaking to that weren't really speakers. So I think initially what I was trying to go with that is that You know, even though you have your list and you do your research on the people you want to meet, you end up meeting a lot more people than you even expected. And I think for me, it opened my mind to a lot of schools that I didn't necessarily have on my radar. I met a lot of amazing people who were extremely passionate about their program. And so for me, that's the biggest piece of advice I would have to give and that I learned is that when people ask you, you know, what schools are you interested in? Be open minded because you don't know who you're talking to. The first person I talked to, you know, she was a professor at a school in Maryland. And it's, you know, I hadn't really entertained going to school on the East Coast, but I was very cognizant of when she asked me, what are your schools that you're applying to? I said, oh, I'm keeping myself open-minded. And then when she told me what school she was, you know, working for not, or a part of, I was, I was very glad I didn't, wasn't very specific essentially in that, in that facet because being open-minded is a good thing. But yes, I did meet most of my people other than I think like one person, but I had met them before previously. So I kind of just waved and said hi. But um, yes, I was very intentional about just yeah. getting in there, saying hi, introducing myself, saying, you know, I love the school that they are a part of and a few things I knew about it and a little bit about, you know, with, you know, Jeremy, I've followed his podcast for some time. So I kind of just spoke to that and and um, just making a little connection, I think. Every time you meet somebody, pulling back from that experience you had before, and they're going to remember your face eventually. Definitely. And so when did you start kind of, you know, we, we talked about this a lot in the Accelerator program for the last couple of weeks leading up to going to this conference, right? And I think with any conference, you want to be intentional and look up the people that you're trying to meet. You're trying to look up their leadership experiences if they're involved in the AANA or NBCRNA. You're trying to look up any research that they've done. Like, you know that Jeremy has a podcast. Um, just things about them so you can have a conversation with them that is actually meaningful to them as well. Meaningful and, and fruitful for you, but also memorable for them. And what makes a conversation memorable for somebody is um, like how you made them feel and if you're able to get them to talk about something that they're passionate about. And most people are passionate about their programs, um, their experiences, what they can offer. Also, any research projects that they've done or special things that they're involved in, like like Jeremy's podcast. Just so it's definitely worth doing your research. And so you were able to like look up these people beforehand. You had a list. Like tell us you were you came in pretty prepared, right? Yes. So I am extremely type A. So I essentially downloaded Notion and then I made a database. So as soon as I had purchased my ticket for the meeting, I went through the entire list. So they they provide a list of basically every speaker, what school they're affiliated with, and a little excerpt about them. So I went through every single lecture that I was interested in. And every day I, I like did a copy and paste, put the name of the person. And then later on, you know, kind of closer to the meeting, I did my research. I went on a deep dive essentially and tried to find out as much as I could about each person. I had a picture of them. And I mean, even Kendall and I think Rachel, we all had a database essentially of faces that we were wanting to connect with because a name's great, but also a picture was really helpful to have, you know, the things that they're currently working on, where they're from, what school are they affiliated, what school did they go to? Um, Essentially, just 
almost like you know, like a dating profile on each person, which is kind of funny to say. But I mean, we did basically like little excerpts on each person we were trying to meet. And it was extremely helpful. And I think, like you said, speaking to people about something they're passionate about, but also remembering that they're human at the end of the day. I, I remember meeting one of the totally. professors at a Texas mm-hmm. school and the group I was with was a little bit nervous. And I kind of just was silly and, you know, was like, hey, I see you're wearing an aura ring. I got one for my my fiance. Like, what do you think about this? And he like went on a, you know, showing me his data on his phone of his sleep cycles and and he was just totally nerding out over it. And we were just like mm-hmm. laughing. And he was telling me, oh, yep, I got up and I went to the bathroom this time. And it was just so silly because I'm like, OK, we're all nervous to meet this person. And he's just like, he reminds me of my grandpa. Like he's he's a human. And then, of course, we got to the the business portion of just, you know, like talking about the school, talking about the program. And he was the one that gave us a lot of insight on the actual interview process. But also just connecting on a human level is important, I think, for me. And I think. That was something that I've worked on a lot as an adult. And I'm in my 30s now. So it's something that, you know, when I was younger, I wasn't so great about. But complimenting people, talking about something they're passionate about. And everyone loves teaching you. So if they can teach you something, I think they leave feeling, I don't know, I feel good about myself when I teach people things and I'm helpful. So I think that was really helpful. Just remember everyone's human. Everyone's a nurse. And also talking yeah, about something absolutely. When I meet somebody in pre-op, I have 15 minutes. And they don't care how much I know or how smart I am. They just want to feel comfortable and is a great like lower stake situation. So when it comes to your interview, you've already been through like you've already talked to this person before. You've already talked to this assistant program director. You've met them like, oh, yeah, remember we talked about your ring and I got one for my fiance. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then it kind of just like breaks down the barriers. So that human to human connection is really important. But yeah, I had a similar like list of people who I wanted to meet and chat with and talk to pictures help so much because you have no idea like you can't be going around like you can look at people's badges but it's like totally you can't see their names it's not like we're big like be really close to them to see them <laughs> True. um so that that definitely helps a lot I highly recommend people do that so overall very proud of you guys for for going and putting yourselves out there so incredible um so I want to chat a little bit about what how like how has the accelerator program or like the CRNA club what gaps do you think that we were able to fill for you? What what has kind of helped you in your process of like planning this roadmap for yourself? What do you feel like you couldn't get like online or on Google? Like where do you think what really moved the needle for you? I think it's just very well structured. For me, it's a very easy to navigate database. For me, I had a really hard time determining which school I wanted that I was actually qualified to go to. So I think that was the first thing I did was I looked at your database. Also, it's been a really long time since I've applied for school. So having the resume builder that you have is extremely helpful. Also, the meetings you've done. I think, you know, obviously the workshops you've done for us, the resume building workshops, learning about state, learning about, you know, all these types of meetings that weren't even on my radar, essentially. So even when I went to the ANA conference, I was actually able to speak about PACs because I was part of one of the, the like Zoom conferences that you did. And so that for me is really invaluable. I, the meetings that you've done with us, and it's pretty routinely, I think you do them like, you know, every week you do a workshop and then, you know, you have guest speakers that has been really invaluable for me and actually getting to meet with you and having, you know, 
real-time conversations, the farm phenomenal, be able to go through a database knowing exactly the medications I really need to work on learning at a different level because it's more at a cellular level than what I knew before. Uh, overall, there's a, you know, obviously there's a, a lot of really helpful resources out in the internet, but it's the effort that you're putting into each one of us and having a connection with each one of us. I don't feel like I'm just a number to people. I think, you know, I've been a part of different other ones and I won't speak to it, but I think for me, this is the first time that I have been able to build a community with these people and also just navigate your website. I mean, it's been it's been a really, really helpful. It's been a, it's a place where I can have everything in one place, know exactly where I'm, you know, having gaps and also the database that you have for schools. I mean, I use that to retake a lot of my classes. Um, I had to retake chemistry and I really it was really hard for me to vet which one was going to be a good fit for me, for my schedule. You had it all listed out, the pros and cons from, you know, people you've known who've taken those classes. And I did retake a class from one of the recommendations you made. Um, and I've been able to tell their people now and people have actually started following your um, like your Instagram. And they're signing up for the accelerator program now um, because they've seen how helpful it's been for me. So it, I think just everything being concise, but also the amount of effort you put into everybody. I, I truly am grateful for it. And I don't feel like just a number. I mean, I really don't. I feel like you truly do care about us. Well, thank you for all of that. The calls were really important. And even just having office hours where literally I'm just like on Zoom and you can show up if you want. You can show up and just are really just meant to give people an opportunity to ask questions and get like that. It's not one on one time because it's a group call, but, you know, essentially one to group call. And I think that at the end of the day, we all have a very unique path that we're taking but a lot of overlap as well. And it's great. Do they average it in? But at the end of the day, the community I try to foster, and this is not mm -hmm. something that I had going into about you. You tell somebody some information, they will return the favor and you're stronger together for it. You'll be maybe interviewing at the same program, but maybe you'll be classmates together one day, you know? And I think having that, that mindset as an applicant of just being generous and wanting to help other people now is just that's really important during an already extremely stressful period for you. I think that's so true. You know? And I think for for me, one of the professors I had met at a school even told me that he was just like, you know, in our interview, it's really important to know that you're a team player. So even, you know, even now going to the con Congress meeting and having a group of us, we're all obviously in the middle of applying right now. Some of us are in different phases of it. But mm -hmm. we never had that competitive spirit of like, I'm going to do this. And, you know, this person, we were all literally just trying to lift each other up, get each other exposed to the people they wanted to meet, networking together. And essentially, you know, with what that professor told me, he's just like, you know, in an interview, it's really important that I know that you're not just self-serving, that you're there to help others. Um, and we will see that. We do certain things and, you know, to, to expose you and see if you're going to just worry about yourself, if you're going to actually help other people. And I thought to myself, I said, you know, nursing can be a very self-preservation, you know, trying to excel and, you know, other people not moving along the way you are. And so I was just really refreshing to hear that from a CRNA program and also just seeing it in person, mm -hmm. like everybody really wanted the best for each other. And nobody was being competitive mm -hmm. and we were just all there to help each other.
which is just really, really refreshing. Do you have any last words of wisdom to people who are in your shoes or maybe, you know, a couple of steps like overwhelmed and behind you thinking about applying to CRNA school? I think just having patience, patience for yourself overall, because your journey is going to be different than everyone else's. And I've had, I've struggled with that myself. And for me, it's just taking one thing at a time. Like eventually you're going to get there. The time is going to pass no matter what. So even if it takes you two years, three years, that time's going to continue, whether you're on the road to CRA school or not. But also truly believing in yourself, I think, is the biggest part. I think everyone suffers with imposter syndrome sometimes, I think, going and really just putting yourself out there, essentially meeting people, networking. And if even if it's not something you're super comfortable with, if you go out there and you meet people, you know, it, it's not an easy thing. I, I, We all have seen people, even as an extrovert, it was hard for me. I, I had to really push myself. So know that even if you're an introvert, for those of us who are naturally comfortable for talk, with talking to people, it can still be really hard. And going with a group is really helpful. I think, you know, joining a, a program like this has been really helpful and, and feeling like you have a safe space to go to, to have people, but not losing sight of the end goal. I think that's that's something right now that I'm, you know, currently in a very busy season in my life. And, you know, I'm not getting to do the fun things that I used to do when I was a traveler and I'm studying all the time. And I think it's very easy to lose the goal in mind sometimes. But for me, I tell myself, I'm like, I've never really met a super unhappy CRNA. And I know that the scope of practice I'm going to be able to to perform under is so much more than what I get to right now. And it's what I'm aiming for. And at the end, the end goal is to be able to have your dream job and just not lose sight of it. I think just having little goals and tacking it away. I actually had a conversation with my brother recently because I have a lot on my plate currently with my personal life and with applying. And he's mm-hmm. like, just take it one day at a time, sister, like one day at a time. You literally just have to right now you're in this mm-hmm. class. You've got the test next week. That's all you need to worry about right now. And then you do the next thing and then you have your list and you mark it off. And before you know it, you're going to be there. Like you're literally going to next May I'll be applying. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Time is just absolutely flying by. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I have so enjoyed getting to know you over the past couple months, and I just know you are going to do such great things. Thanks again. And we're going to have to have you back on after you press submit next May. All right. We'll talk to you soon.